Tantra derives from the word Tanu, which literally means pertaining to the body. It is an exact science that deals with the energy and mystic points of the body and explores the possibilities of manipulation for a direct experience. At another level, Tantra is also about effecting change in nature or speeding up the process of qualitative evolution both for individuals and for the masses in general. The society and even the human civilization have also been conceived as bodies that need to raise their energy levels to embrace a more holistic concept of humanity. But Tantra has been widely misunderstood in India. The roots of Tantric practice are non-Aryan, or to be more specific, Tantra has always remained on the fringes of mainstream Brahmanical traditions. Some Tantric practices and rituals are a challenge to the general religious emphasis on chastity and purity. These practices can also lure a seeker away from his goal and make him addicted to special powers. They have also been identified with black magic and the dark arts. Sri Ramakrishna, probably the greatest tantric of modern age, was himself quite dismissive about the subject. He had probably felt that the world was not yet ready for tantra. But the world has grown up since then. People are beginning to realize that the mysterious practices that had evoked so much fear and distrust are just a small though dangerous part of Tantra. In a broad sense, Tantra is not only practical but uncompromisingly free of dogma. Information about the chakras and the Kundalini and the possibility of an union between Shiva and Shakti have become so integrated to our general understanding of yoga that we hardly remember that these secrets have come to us from Tantra. Such an integration is indeed welcome. Each spiritual tradition shares some common points with others. Modern attitude to yoga has learned to assimilate the essentials that would be both useful and enriching. Tantric secrets exist in a coded language, even in Vaishnava traditions. Radha's clandestine rendezvous with Sri Krishna is a parallel allegory for Kali's journey towards Shiva or the Kundalini's upward drift towards the pituitary. Important tantric elements like mother worship or female energy had infiltrated into Buddhist traditions in the form of Tara or Yin-Yang principles. Similar elements have found their way into Islamic practices among Sufis and some esoteric sects including the Muslim Baals of Bengal. The church had tried its best to suppress the pagan icons of feminine energy and fertility. Guru Maharaj keeps it simple. A seeker has to evoke the sleeping mother or the latent female energy in the body and make it rise till it merges with the male or potential energy beyond the pituitary. You can do it yourself without any help from outside known as Anuman or ideal path or you can do it together with a partner known as Vartaman or the practical way. It is best for a seeker not to exercise a choice in this matter. He should follow the specific instructions and guidance of his Guru. In Tantra, the Guru is not only the one who shows the way, but he stays with you till the end. The Guru and what he stands for become synonymous with the purpose of her journey. Tantra is twofold one internal, 
the other external. Internally, a seeker works to awaken the latent energy at the base of his spine, penetrate the chakras on the way and reach the pituitary. Once there, he needs to wait for divine grace to cross over the last threshold of his ego. He travels from animality to humanity and from humanity to divinity. Externally, he begins to radiate a divine energy and the world around him draws from it and starts to change. However, even as the seeker comes back to the world with a new face, he remains a pilgrim on the path. He had once started by withdrawing from the periphery towards the center. Later he expands from the center and sees the one in all, an endless blossoming. Sri Ramakrishna, a great spiritual scientist, did Tantra Sadhana only at the end, after he has successfully completed all other major modes of pursuit known to the world. Besides an obvious attempt to set an example of religious integration, his eventful spiritual journey was a lesson in what Swami Vivekananda meant when he said, be and make. His life as a seeker followed a logical sequence from becoming to being to making. Even after attaining the ultimate state of perception or Nirvikalpa Samadhi, he did or rather had to do exhaustive sadhana of all forms of Tantra to energize the failing spiritual health of the world around him. We hear and read about many sages and yogis who have experienced dramatic one-time enlightenment, often not even when they were yearning for it. At the end of the day, we may or may not have a similar story to tell, but each journey is a unique story in itself and well worth it. The less we keep thinking about the end, the more we enjoy the path. Even enlightened souls enjoy the diversity of their experiences that validate and enrich their state of being. Contact becomes an union where one finally loses the lingering sense of duality. And yet an assigned role allows one to enjoy, cherish and embrace duality from a state of unity. Yoga is a journey that starts as a discipline and finally becomes our nature. A journey that is both the means and the end of life, a conscious life. <laughs>